When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, tech fans, and welcome in to the latest Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's high-tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. Whether you are watching or listening, we are so glad that you could join us today as we record on Wednesday, August 28th, and get you set for the season opener, Virginia Tech in Boston College, set to kick it off at 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. We've got Malcolm, yes, he's related, Stuart, behind the scenes producing, and here on the new Tech Sideline set, managing editor Chris Coleman and our founder and head honcho, Will Stewart. My name is Evan Hughes. Gentlemen, happy game week to you guys. Uh, you know, the coaches always talk about how it's, it's a busy first week for the football team. How is the first week of Tech Sideline leading up to the first game of the year? Uh, I was at work till about 10.30 or 11 o'clock last night doing some stuff for the set and man it's interesting we're going to talk about that today and i was also managing a uh a crisis related to stick it in ale last night so uh yeah i was here till about 10 30 or 11 last night uh yeah i was at home and then the brock hoffman news came out so you never know what time you're called upon to to work this time of year um and the first week is kind of hectic anyway you've got your uh editorial schedule planned out but nothing ever falls exactly how you want it to fall so but it but it's a testing week for everybody i guess sure well listen you mentioned brock hoffman you mentioned stick it in ale those are all topics that we're going to be talking about today on the tech sideline podcast of course the big news that came out last night on tuesday evening brock hoffman will not be eligible this year the transfer offensive lineman from coastal carolina will get reaction from will and chris we will also be talking about stick it in ale some of the big news this summer that came about <laughs> from tech sideline we'll be talking about that plus we've got new additions to the set if you're watching on facebook or however you're streaming or watching archive we have made some new additions we'll talk to will about that and we'll preview boston college the hokies and the eagles playing this saturday at four o'clock in chestnut hill we'll get predictions analysis and more all that coming up on the tech sideline podcast again recording at about 10 in the morning on wednesday august the 28th a reminder that this week and every week, the TSL podcast is presented by the Fisher Law Firm, Virginia's trusted DUI and traffic defense firm dedicated to defending individuals charged with traffic-related offenses. From their offices in Blacksburg and Roanoke, the Fisher Law Firm handles cases throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. To date, the firm has defended more than 30,000 people charged with moving violations. For a free consultation, call anytime, day or evening, toll free at 1-800-680-7031 or email them at info at fisherlegal.com. Will, I want to turn it over to you because you have been working hard this summer. We talked about the additions to the studio and the upgrades that we made as a podcast. We'll talk about what's new from Monday's podcast today. But let's lead off with this. Stick It In Ale is now available. The Tech Sideline Beer. How did this all come about and how has the launch gone so far? Okay, so I'll try to keep this relatively short. Um, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that we have a, a Tech Sideline Beer now. It's called Stick It In Ale. And here's how that came about, and, and Chris can help me with 
some of the details early. Uh, we were tailgating at Smithfield, mm-hmm. one of the early games last year, mm-hmm. and uh, all, all, I, all I remember is I, I don't I don't remember things very well these days, but I remember Chris handing me a business card of Elizabeth Geiger, who's a Hokie and who works for Beltway Brewing Company up in uh, Sterling, Virginia. And I remember Chris telling me they want to do a Virginia Tech-themed beer, right? Yeah. I basically uh, went up to you and said, hey, I have a friend who has a friend who runs a brewery in Northern Virginia, and they want to do a Virginia Tech-themed beer. Here's their business card. All right. So this is September, and I'm thinking, you know, we got no bandwidth during football season. So I filed that one away, and I put that business card over there on my desk where I could see it. And finally, after football season was over, I reached out to Elizabeth. And uh, it's funny, people ask me about how it came about. And, you know, we just kind of winged it. It really wasn't this, we didn't sit down to do a business case analysis or a plan or any of that sort of stuff. I called her up on the phone. She said, we want to do a Virginia Tech themed beer. And I said, great. So I emailed uh, Clark Rulin, who goes by Hokie20 on uh, Twitter. Uh, you know, most people know who Clark is. And Clark is... Uh, um, he's a graphics guy, a bit of a designer, you know, and he, he's a good idea. I guy. believe his Twitter bio is he's jack of all trades, which yeah, he really that's is. that's accurate. Yeah. So, so I, I emailed Clark and I literally said, want to do something fun? Uh, make me up a Virginia Tech-themed beer. And I didn't give him any guidelines at all. And he comes back with this can design that's, that's almost exactly like what you see today. It's, he wanted to call it Stick It In Ale, and the tagline underneath it is, this beer will get after you. You know, so if... Surely everybody listening to this podcast is familiar with Stick It In, which is a, is a, a, a chant and a cheer that the band used to do uh, that was banned in 2007 by the athletic director at the time, Jim Weaver. And, well, actually, and, banned by the administration. We understand. Yeah, that's Not true. Weaver. We, Weaver fell on the sword for the administration. And Weaver was good about that stuff. And yeah. that's part of the reason that the BOV and administration like Jim is they'd tell him what to do. And if it was unpopular, he'd be be out front on it and take all the heat he didn't have a problem doing that uh, now there's a whole story there that we don't really have the time to get into uh, but that that was all Clark's design there's been very little modification of the design so I took it to the people at Beltway and what they did is they white labeled one of their in-house beers now Beltway is what's called a contract brewing company they will make your beer for you that's how they got their start so if you're starting up a brewery and, and you don't have the capital to buy all your own equipment, they'll brew your recipe. If your brewery is growing and you need extra capacity, they will brew your recipe. But after time, of course, they started getting into doing their own beers. And one of them that they did was, uh, and, and what this one is, it's a blonde ale. It's their HOV blonde ale. It's, it's the way they described it to me. It's, it's an easy drinking beer. It's good for tailgating, 5.2% ABV. So... Clark's label stuck on Beltway Brewing Company's beer, and we launched it in uh, July. We had a launch event. Now, at first, you could only get it at Beltway. You had to actually drive to the brewery. So we had a launch event on July 12th, and at the time, they'd made something like 175 cases. And when we left that night, they were down to 65 cases. So now we took some of it out of there with us. You know, that wasn't all purchased by people at the event, but most of it was. Um, so they had 65 cases left, and that was on a Friday night. They sold some more that weekend. They opened the following Wednesday and sold out just within a few minutes. They did a second run later of another 99 cases that sold out in two or three days. Uh, so to this point, you've only been able to get it if you actually drive to the brewery. Um, but I am pleased to announce that 
they have struck up deals with distributors, one in Northern Virginia. I do not remember the name of the uh, distributor up there. But they've also got a deal with uh, Beverage, Blue Ridge Beverage. Blue Ridge Beverage. Blue Ridge Beverage in Salem. And Blue Ridge is going to get it into stores and bars in Blacksburg in time for uh, football season. So what's today's date, the 28th? Of August 28th. All right. So next Tuesday, Blue Ridge is scheduled to drive up to uh, um, Beltway Brewing Company and pick up a load of beer and bring it down to the New River Valley and Roanoke and et cetera. Um, I do not at this point have a list of everywhere it's going to be, but I think it's going to be pretty readily available. So um, keep an eye on the website. We'll let you know on the podcast. I hope on the website to just have a list of places you can go. Um, everybody's been so busy, I haven't had a chance to really talk to them. But I, I think you're going to be able to buy this in Kroger. I think it's going to be that accessible. Um, probably vintage seller. Vintage seller. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll get the list from Blue Ridge, and, uh, and we'll definitely get it out there. Now, what I want to say about this is it's been a really cool thing because it just – it, it brings Hokies together. They love it. They think it's a riot. It, it gets it catches fire every time they put it on social media. Um, and we make a little bit of money off of it, but all the profit we make off of it goes towards paying for the um, the uh, endowed our endowed scholarship in the communications department and the uh, sports media and analytics concentration. In case you're not filled in on that, Tech Sideline endowed a scholarship in. Uh, Sport, uh, sports media and analytics in, in the Virginia Tech Communications Department. So we're paying $100,000 a year over the course of five years, and we're one year into that, so we've put in 20000 in. So uh, any any profit that comes to us off the sale of Stick It In Ale just goes to, the, goes to that. And, and we hope over time to do more charitable and, and philanthropic stuff, but this is the start. And I'm, I'm pleased to say, too, that it, so sports media analytics, the uh, what Bill Roth helped launch and is still a huge part of right now leading the program, it is now a standalone major this year. So it was a so concentration. this year it is a This major. year. So actually, I am no longer a multimedia journalism major. I am a sports media analytics major. So nice. a lot of exciting things going on. And, of course, I know from the students, we're just so thankful to Tech Sideline and the awesome partnership. Uh, that you guys have so yeah and I don't, I don't know if they've been able to award any scholarship money yet from from what we've put in this there's some lag on this but uh, eventually it'll be a hundred thousand dollars it'll be more than that because tech fans have also contributed more to it my guess is it's going to wind up at 110 120 130 thousand dollars and Virginia Tech will invest that and the, the principal will stay but the money they make off of it will go towards a deserving student as uh, you know to help pay for uh, being in the sports media and analytics major at Virginia Tech. It's exciting. Now up to four majors available in the comm department. Continues to grow. Big numbers this year. So a lot of exciting yeah, things Bill, going Bill's on. done a great job growing that, man. We'll, we'll get him on here again and, and talk to him about it. Well, let's go ahead and dive uh, dive into game week prep, shall we, with uh, Virginia Tech football finally being back in session this week, Saturday, against Boston College. But before we do that, I initially had planned last night when I had finished prepping for this to ask Chris about the depth chart, which we'll get to. But the depth chart that came out Monday after our podcast will have a little bit of a tweak to it. 
uh, because of the uh, ruling from the NCAA that Brock Hoffman, a transfer offensive lineman from Coastal Carolina, was ruled ineligible for this season. He will redshirt and have two years of eligibility beginning in 2020. For those that don't remember, he transferred, trying to get home closer to his mother, Stephanie, who had surgery to correct an acoustic neuroma, a non-cancerous brain tumor, in January of 2017. He decided to transfer to be closer to her, make it easier on her to attend games. Now, initially, there was a waiver filed earlier in the, 2000, in the year of 2019, and there's a 100-mile radius that applies to cases such as these. And Hoffman's home in North Carolina is five miles outside of that 100-mile radius for Blacksburg. That's mm. why it was denied. So, De- Chris, Depending upon what you dial in to, to Google Maps or whatever. <laughs> Sorry so, to interrupt. No, no. So, <laughs> so there was a new appeal, and that came back yesterday. Chris, before we get into reactions, can you explain to us a little bit of what that appeal went into, how it was different from the first one? Well, not really. Uh, I mean, there's so much that I haven't had a chance to read it all, to be honest. Well, it's not just that, but I'm not sure how much information is available. Well, I I know originally they had two avenues to uh, apply for a uh, waiver to play. And one was uh, obviously the medical reason, his mom. That's what they applied under. The other was was the stuff that the Tate Martells and Justin Fields applied under, the – Coaching changes or or, or or whatever. The general category of hardship, you think? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about I, it. I'll, uh, I'll freely admit uh, that he and I aren't really super up to speed on this stuff. We don't, we don't know letter and verse. Right. Um, but, but, but as it turned out, you know, his coach ended up leaving Coastal Carolina. And if he had applied under the other guideline or whatever, I think he probably would have gotten it. Um, but yeah. he didn't. Uh and he was denied in April, and they submitted an appeal, which was also denied. And according to Andy Bitter, the final reasoning was it took him too long to transfer between the time of his mom's illness and surgery. Uh, I, I understand why where the NCAA is coming from because I think a lot of guys do abuse some of their rules when it comes to transfers. I don't think that's the case with Brock at all. Um, but I, I also think that the fact that it's, there's no human beings involved in the process, it's a bunch of <laughs> uh, – seriously, it's, it's, it's here, fill this form out and mail it back to us. Um, and and there's no, no, no nobody, nobody picks up a phone and talks to anybody. Like I, yeah, so one of the I, pieces of information that came out in this rejection is that the NCAA didn't talk to Brock or his family at all. Right, So and I, and I understand where the NCAA is coming from when it comes to, oh, you wait a long time to file the appeal – after you get good and after, or excuse me, not file the appeal, you wait a long time to decide to transfer. Right. Uh, you wait until after you start for two years and you get FBS interest. Because if he had transferred. That's it, the cynical view. That, yes. That's the cynical viewpoint from the NCAA. Uh, and without picking up the phone and talking to anybody involved in the process, I understand how they, they feel that way. But, you know, sometimes with some of these cases, you know, I think you have to meet with the individuals and let them explain it to them. And I'm sure Brock would have told them, you know what, I didn't want to go back on my my verbal. My, my, I just enrolled. I, I, they, they spent a lot of time recruiting me, and I wanted to stick it out. Uh, I wanted to honor my commitment that I gave them. And after, t- after a couple of years, it just got too hard. Uh, but – you can't really say that if you're not talking to anybody, right? Uh, you, you can't hear that side of the story. You can't hear the human side of each story if you're the NCAA, if you're not talking to people. Now, it's a seven-person committee. 
and okay. we don't know. Uh, we don't know who's on it. We, we don't know who's on it. Know. We don't. We don't, I don't. I don't know the total number of transfers. We don't know what workload they're facing. Right. Right. Stuff. Sure. Uh, I, I think it, it should be a little bit more. Is the word you're looking for transparent? No, not necessarily transparent. I think it should be more simple. Uh, I, I think a lot of transfer requests are, for, are fairly simple. And, and these days, honestly, coaches can leave whenever they want, and they don't have to sit out a year. Regular students can transfer without sitting out a year, <laughs> right? Well, I'm going to go to ODU. Oh, well, sorry, you're going to have to sit out a year. You're going to have yeah. to sit out and work yeah. at McDonald's for a year. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you know, Olympic sports athletes can transfer. Well, without sitting out a year in a lot of cases. Uh, uh, it, that's that's what I think Jay Billis has been saying. I actually right, didn't know that. Right, uh, yeah. Um, so I, I I have a problem with, with the transfer thing in general. Uh, I, and I don't think it would lead to free agency in football any more than it already than, than we already have free agency in so football. So somebody actually said on Twitter, hey, I, I got it. And, and he admitted this was a hot take. He said, hey, I got an idea, just no transfer rules at all. And I said, well, the problem with that is it would, it would allow the Alabamas and the Clemsons, who already have their pick of pretty much whoever they want in recruiting, they could just take their pick of whoever they wanted among active players. Just look out there and see who's doing well and uh, kind of say, hey, why don't you come play for Clemson your last two years since you're, you're, you're an all-Sun Belt or all-Pac-12 offensive lineman, you know. Now, l- let me make sure I get the pronunciation right because I want to get in front. Mike um, – I think, Roanoke, I think it's Nizilak. Mike Nizilak of the Roanoke Times actually put out an article late Tuesday night. I had quotes from Brock's parents. And yeah, they, so fill us in on that because I didn't get a chance to. They, they really did everything they could according to this article, and they provided documentation from four separate doctors on and, – and, and they really did everything in their power. And, and Brock put out a very uh, strong, you know, well – um, what's the best way to put it? He put gracious. out a very gracious, thank you, that's a great word, gracious statement. And then to the next of the statement, uh, I want to get y'all's thoughts on this. He had put a picture of the Boz. <laughs> the Boz, Brian Bosworth, Oklahoma. Who wore his famous NCAA shirt, which we- which stands for National Communists Against Student Athletes, Welcome to Russia. <laughs> Back when, you know. Back when the Soviet Union was a thing, man. And, and Brock's tweet got a lot of love, as it should on Twitter. You know, I he, thought it was funny. What, <laughs> what did you make of him putting that out there? Oh, uh, he's got nothing to lose. Uh, obvious, point, obvi- right? Obviously, you know, uh, it was a well-written message. Uh, I don't think you just come up with an, an idea of the Brian Bosworth picture out of the blue. I think that took some time to think about. about that. Yeah. I, honestly, Brock's not old enough to remember Brian Bosworth. I'm barely old enough to remember well, he, Brian he may, Bosworth. You may watch the 30 for 30 yeah, or something Who, like who knows? That, you know? I mean, I never knew Brian Bosworth wore that T-shirt. I don't um, really know anything. I, I knew, yeah. I, I, uh, so, anyway. Because I think I think Bosworth's beef with the NCAA was they were telling him not to wear headbands or something. I, I or, or am I getting him confused I, with Jim I, McMahon? It all starts to run together. But anyway, yeah, go ahead. Um, we I forgot the question. Well, we were talking about the tweet. Oh, we were talking the, about the tweet. The tweet yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got about four hours of sleep last night. Uh, <laughs> not because he was building shelves. Not because anyway, I was ahead. building shelves. Um, I thought it was a fair response, but, you know, you also have to uh, – you, you don't want to go too far. You don't want to make the NSA mad. The last time a Virginia Tech student athlete made the NCAA mad was when Bruce Smith sued them over bowl eligibility back in the early 80s. and. 
three years later, they slapped the athletic department with five years, five or six years of probation for both football and men's basketball. And, and, and conspiracy theorists think that the NCAA was hating on Virginia Tech for years and years and years. Um, you know, there, there's a long list of just terrible seeds and terrible matchups in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I, I, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, yeah, I, know. I, it's, 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 it's I think that's to, silly, but but uh, it's fun to say they're all out to get it. Yeah, of course it is. Um, but it, you know, it, sometimes it's better to just uh, just be quiet and take take the result. You, you know, because uh, there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, now, now, don't get me wrong; his tweet's not going to hurt anything at all. Um, but Virginia Tech can't. There's okay. nothing Virginia Tech can't. I'm not sure the NCAA looks through their ads on Twitter. Probably because, not. Because there must be a blue million of them. Well, so, People so, blast away at the NCAA all the time. I mean, somebody sees them, but it's not like they run up to the, the front office and say, well, here's a list of the tweets where people blasted yeah, you today. I, I don't think the social right. media manager for the NCAA is drawing up a list. No, absolutely not. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't think it really matters either way. Uh, Virginia Tech's press release was a little bit passive-aggressive, I thought. Um, uh, what part of it was passive aggressive? Oh, I mean, I skimmed it. It said we're going to support Brock and his family. We're going to support Brock and his family. Uh, they, they went into a little bit of detail about his mom's illness. They pointed out the fact that he had a 4.0 GPA. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, that you was know. passive aggressive. Right. Exactly. Uh, so uh, not, not again. Not that I particularly blame them. Uh, my one whole question is, and and while I completely disagree with the NCAA's decision and. There needs to be a more human element involved in that process. Why did it take Virginia Tech until July to to initiate the appeal process when they got the original ruling in April? Well, my tinfoil hat says that was intentional. Um, conspiracy theory, you know. That why why just, would that be intentional? Oh, they're just trying to, you know, they, they took a lot of heat when it was first announced that, that they rejected his first request. And so they just kind of dragged the process out. No, no, but Virginia Tech didn't send the appeal in until July. Hmm, okay, that is kind of odd. That's in I Mike's you were article. saying the NCAA didn't respond. No, 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 no. They didn't. Well, the NCAA, I think the NCAA responded with a bunch of questions. Uh, they'd, they'd have new questions each week and things See, like that. Yeah. That's why the process drug out. But why did the appeal take, from the original rejection in April, why did it take almost three months to... Uh, Perhaps it took the Hoffman family that long to get together everything that I imagine was part of the second appeal. You know, again, I don't know. I haven't read Mike's articles. Yeah. Uh, By the way, Mike's article, really well done. But it, I had quotes from, you know, his, his dad in there and then what they had to do um, to get to the NCAA. It does sound like there were multiple questions and multiple pieces of this appeal right. over. And that can take a while. Oh, oh, correct. I'm, I'm sure getting. So that's probably the answer. Um, so, you know, I, I would like to react with outrage to all this, but for me personally, I don't know if other people feel this way, but outrage, for me to feel outrage, there has to be a, uh, an element of surprise to it. Right. Like, I can't believe so-and-so did that. I'm outraged. I can't believe that jerk Buzz Williams left and went to Texas A&M. Uh, Some you know, people were for, like that. For example, Brent. So, I'm... I'm, See, he's still mad at Brent. He, 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 uh, he expected him to leave, and he's still I'm mad not, at him. I'm not really mad at Brent. I would think I do think it's funny to to call him Brent, but I don't want I don't want to appear petty, you know. But let's get back on the topic here. For me to feel outraged at the NCAA, I would have to be surprised by what they did, and I'm not the least bit surprised. So I don't have a whole lot more to say about it than that. The rest of the discussion centers around the depth chart mm-hmm. and the lack of depth at center now. If Zachariah Zachariah Hoyt goes down. Who you got to play, John Harris? 
Uh, is John Harris redshirt freshman? Redshirt or? freshman. Yeah, you could also move Austin Cannon in there. I think yeah. he's had some experience at center in the past. I think Vance Vice said earlier this preseason when he was interviewed that he's already repped like seven guys at center at some point. Well, that's that's how um, Vance Vice rolls. Right. Now, now how, how many of them could actually you play? You know, the, I went in and the, repped a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Vance uh, likes to do that. Yeah. Uh, what, 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 tell us a little bit more about Zachary Hoyt, a guy who started nine games last year at center and guard. What does he bring to the table? I thought he was probably amongst the the non-freshmen, probably Tech's most inconsistent lineman last year. There were some times where he struggled with his snapping. I don't think he was particularly strong at the point of attack, but he was a redshirt sophomore. Now he's a redshirt junior. You don't know about that extra year in, in the strength program and uh, gaining experience. I don't experience. recall. Where's he from? Uh, Roanoke, Salem, yeah, something that, that's, like that. That's, he's, a, he's a fairly local guy. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, so he's got experience. I think Hoffman would have been a physical upgrade, in my opinion. Um, but so so it hurts. Um, now you know me. I'm I'm all for redshirting as many people as possible and building for the future. So the way I see it, in 2021, Virginia's X going to have redshirt senior Brock Hoffman, redshirt senior Silas Janzi, senior Christian Darisaw, redshirt senior Lasita Smith, junior Doug Nestor, uh, redshirt junior Luke Tenuta. I mean that so so this is this is part of what I wanted to talk about is the process of, of building a football program in your image, which which is what Justin Fuente is doing, takes a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, getting Brock Hoffman in and getting him to play was just one small part of this process. And he's gotta wait another year on that. And Chris just described what year are you talking about? Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. We got two more seasons to go through before we get there. You know, so Fuente's got some parts of this operation going like he wants it, like the receiving core, and but you know the offensive line is still young. Uh, you know, there's still this is an ongoing process. Well, he's filled the program with his players now, starting this year. Uh, now he's just got to you got to wait for him to grow up. Yeah, I mean, uh, four seniors. Yeah, that's crazy. Now I feel like one question that might come about this from a, a, a Tech fan you might see on social or the message boards is, "Wow, well Tech had such a great recruiting class this year of the offensive line. They flipped a guy from Ohio State to Tech and Doug Nestor. Why not play him right now?" Well, they might play him. He's second on the depth chart. I mean, we don't know what the rotation is going to look like. Um, you know, Vance Vice. You know, at this time last year, going into the Florida State game. Jansy was listed as first team left tackle. When the game started, it was Christian Darisol who rolled out there. I mean, there's a constant competition. I mean, I heard Tenuta at one point last week. At this time last week, I think Tenuta would have started at right tackle with Jansy at right guard. But he didn't have a great end of the week of practice. He's a redshirt freshman. I guess he's still a little bit inconsistent. Uh, you never know how guys can hit a wall a little bit. As All the other students camp. showed up. Uh, yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, you that never, really you never know how young players are going to react to things yeah. like that. Uh, so, you know, Vice flipped it back. Um, he could flip it again in the middle of this week, and we just won't know about it. Um, yeah, I mean, the depth chart is one. The published depth chart is one thing. What actually gets rolled out on the field? You know, uh, you're right. I mean, and Good. speaking of the depth chart, which did come out on Monday, we did a preview for those that did not get a chance to listen. It's available archived our podcast Monday, where we went through position groups and kind of gave our projected look at a depth chart and who the guys of the position group were standing out in the offseason. Now that it has come out, were there any surprises to you from what was released two days ago? Uh, not really. Um, As a matter of fact, the title of Chris's article is No Surprises. Yeah, that was pretty much it. No yeah. big surprises. No big surprises. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you didn't know exactly where Dylan Rivers was going to factor in at linebacker because, you know, Bud experimented a little bit in the preseason. He wants to know what he'll do if Rashard Ashby gets hurt. Uh, does he just roll with – does he move – basically he's asking himself, do I move Dax Holyfield to Mike or do I have someone else who can play that position? Are we better off with Dax Holyfield playing Mike – and then Alan Tisdale coming in the game at backer, or are we better off with Holyfield staying at backer and somebody else playing Mike? And I think, you know, he's tried Kashawn Artis at Mike. He's tried Dax at Mike. He's tried Dylan Rivers at Mike. And if you look at the depth chart now at Mike after uh, Rayshard Ashby, it's an or situation. It's Kashawn Artis or Dylan Rivers. And Dylan Rivers isn't listed at backer anymore, which means he's, I guess, He's probably Virginia Tech's fourth option at backer. So you're talking about a guy, uh, I'm using Rivers as an example. I, I could bring up some other examples also. You're talking about a guy who was, at this time last year, Virginia Tech's starting backer. Now he's our fourth best option at backer and maybe our third best or fourth best option at Mike, If you know, depending on whether you include Dax Holyfield as a possibility yeah. at Mike. Um, that's how much Virginia Tech's depth has improved at linebacker over the last year. Yeah, and that's another position they've recruited really well. Right, and, and you can say the same thing at defensive end um, when Nathan Proctor transferred. He's the guy who had 98 snaps last year. Um, and now he's transferring. And now, now he's transferring because he's going to be – he was like our seventh best option at defensive yeah, end. Yeah. So uh, that, that's how much the depth has improved. Now the problem is the depth is still – the two deep is redshirt freshman, right? Taiwan Garbett's a redshirt sophomore, and he's one of your KG veterans yeah. of the defensive line. So there's still a long way to go. But from a personnel standpoint, one through eighty-five, Virginia Tech's in a much better position than they are than they were at this time a year ago. Well, and they'll take that one through eighty-five into battle this Saturday. Virginia Tech and Boston College open up the two thousand nineteen college football season and Chestnut Hill Hokies and Eagles both their season openers. And this is the third year in a row that Virginia Tech is going to play a pretty significant game. I would consider Boston College in that. You it's know, a conference a, game. It's a conference it, it, based game. Based on the results of last year, yeah, it's a big game. So, you know, you go back to 2017, neutral site, West Virginia and Tech at FedEx Field. Last year at Florida State on Labor Day night. And then, or it was the Sunday night. Apologies. It was a yeah, Sunday. Was, um, and then, of course, now at Boston College. What do you guys think about Tech playing these marquee games to open a season? Do you think the coaching staff enjoys uh, that? I think they enjoy it to a certain extent. I'm fine with it as long as it's not Alabama and Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, don't, that, don't that, do that. I mean, well, it gets the team dialed in. Yeah, yeah it they does. Got, they got to prepare for a legit opponent, one that beat them last year. Um, right. So I, I, I like it, and I think the coaching staff likes. Yeah, it. I think it's fine. Um, like I said, no more Alabamas in Atlanta. I mean, that's just guaranteeing yeah, yourself a loss. Yeah, Duke, Duke gets to be that. Duke fun. gets to start zero and one this year. Oh Congratulations, Duke. Here's, that's right. That's a Chick Fil A kickoff game this year, and right? it's not even a night game. It's like a four or five o'clock in the afternoon. So you get a couple million dollar check to to just to lose a game. You know, I read that Alabama's getting four and a half million bucks for that game. Oh, if do well, you know Alabama's suffering? They need the money. Sure, yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> I thought you were being serious there for a minute. Well, I didn't <laughs> no. see the sarcasm until the end. But, but as far as uh, as far as this goes, yes, I, I think it's good. Uh, and it's a challenging game, but it's also a winnable game, which I, I do think is good for off-season preparation. I think it's good for. Uh, Particularly in the you know once practice starts in August, uh, you don't have to wait until you know week three. I mean, it used to be everybody's schedules were kind of streamlined. They'd, remember the old Big East days? A lot of times it was just 
three cupcakes, and then the Big East schedule four, starts. Four, well, depends uh, upon if you're talking 11 or, or, or 12 game right. season, but it'd, it'd be three or four out-of-conference games, right. and then nothing but Big and, East games. And even, even if we started off with, with like a Big East opponent, it was like Rutgers. Remember that yeah, fifty to nothing uh, game in ninety seven? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, uh, that's one of the hottest games I've ever been to. <laughs> wow! I actually drove up to New Jersey to watch Virginia Tech, Tech play Rutgers. Watch Virginia Tech gobsmack Rutgers. <laughs> Tech wasn't even that good then. Mar- good Marcus Gildersleeve, baby, he's going to be a star. I shouldn't yeah. say that. Marcus is active on Twitter. And good to know that twenty two years love Virginia Tech. Twenty two years later, Rutgers really hasn't changed much as a program. Changed briefly under Shiano. Yeah, yeah tell you what, right. man, Shiano had him going. That was quite that's a story. Right. Yep, yeah. yep. Um, let's uh, let's. I want to go back to last year's game, Virginia Tech and Boston College. A game that Virginia Tech led at halftime, fell thirty-one twenty-one. There were when you look at that game in a box, there were actually some positives to take away from that. But how much of a translation is there? How much can you take away as a coaching staff from that game? late in the season, a part of off-season prep, especially when it's the same quarterback and running back coming back for BC. Yeah, I think you certainly can go back and look for certain things in that game. Uh, and I, th- I think as a player, maybe you take – I don't know if you take any confidence from it a player as a player or not because ultimately you lost the game. Um, and, in fact, that's the last football game that Boston College won. Was that the game where um, Tech was doing pretty good and then Ryan Willis got blasted? And Hooker came in and, and, fumbled. and fumbled a snap. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Quincy uh, around midfield. And, and I think um, Ryan came back in the second he, half. He did, but, he did. But the Tech got shut out in the third quarter. Uh, yeah, the, see, that was that – was, generally last year, you know, the offense would come out hot against Georgia Tech, and it's 21-21, but, you know, the defense would just give up a touchdown every drive. So, eventually the offense would just – it's hard to keep up that pace. Same thing against Pitt, you know. It's 17 nothing Pitt. Just like that, because we we can't stop them. Yeah, Tech was up fourteen seven and half. BC yeah. when uh, scored two touchdowns in the third quarter, shut out Tech, and then uh, ten points to Tech seven in the fourth. So uh, they outscored them twenty four to seven in the second half. Yeah. Right, and th- this was this was a game where the offense stalled. This was a game where it was mostly the offense's fault, in my opinion. I think yeah. I think yeah, stretching out both halves. I think there was something like four or five three and outs in a row, or something like that. Oh, and, 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 and there was another play where uh, Willis hit Damon Hazelton in, in the, the chest. Hand. And he dropped it, and it led to a short, and it got picked off, right? And led to a, ball, a short field Boston College touchdown. So, and I and I think Virginia Tech's lack of ability to stay on the field on offense really it wore Virginia Tech's defense down in the second half. If you look at time of possession, Virginia Tech had the advantage in the first half. BC had the advantage in the second yeah. half, and eventually Tech got Tech's younger, smaller defense got worn down by that rushing attack. Um, so that was one of the few games last year where I thought. Uh, that that game was the offense's fault. Hmm. Um, I think the Tech offense will do better this year. Now, statistically, it wasn't a bad day for Willis. 25 of 42, 281 yards and three touchdowns, one pick. But And the pick wasn't his fault. That's right. It was, the, But it was the rushing that really stands out in the box score. The mm-hmm. leading rusher that game against Boston College. Who do you think it was that game? I think it was Ryan Willis. It was Ryan yeah, Willis. Somebody said that on the boards the other day. Yeah, 49 yards, people said 39 yards. So it feels like running the football – and we talked about it on Monday with Jalen Holston, his emergence of the great camp that he's had. McLeese, Kishon King, you got a healthy Terrius Wheatley. How big will running the football be in this game compared to last year? Oh, it's huge. Uh, I think Virginia Tech will be able to throw the ball for sure. So if they can run it too, then then they're going to score a lot of points. I mean, yeah, Virginia's at football here, right? If you can run the ball and throw it, you're going to score. If you can run the ball and throw the ball, you're going to score a lot of points. Uh, yeah. but Coach Chris Coleman, everybody. Yeah, but, uh, Good thing this podcast is free. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 
but yeah, I mean, if they can run the ball against BC, they're unless the defense just has an awful, awful day, they're going to win the game. So, so let's let's break it down a little bit. Uh, we've we've put together our preview. We haven't run it yet, but Chris wrote it, and I edited it last night and added my part. Uh, you know, BC replaced is is replacing a lot of guys on on defense. Uh, I think and and Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. They bring back a couple of defensive linemen with fairly significant snaps. Yeah, but also a couple with zero snaps. Exactly. Um, um, uh, but they're both their defensive ends last year in the NFL right now. Yeah, great players. Um, uh, I would have I would have taken uh, one or both of them. Yeah, they they had, they had a cornerback who led the country in score in interceptions last year. Camp Cheevers. Camp Cheevers, one of the best names you'll that see. That is a great, name. great name. That's a great name. He's one of those guys who declared for the draft and got on a mini camp and. And wasn't even on a roster in the preseason. Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't, you know. So that contributed to a really depleted secondary where yeah. they're bringing back one starter. One, one starter, I think. And, and, you know, I think they're starting strong safety. He's a redshirt senior. He's, I think he played 27 snaps last year. And he's been one of those guys who only gets on the field in garbage time his entire career. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got experience in the program, but not sure how good he is. Not sure how good. The, their second, they got one cornerback who I think is is a pretty good player. I'm not sure how good their other corner is. Uh, their free safety has some experience in a backup role, uh, but so unclear so you, how. So is this a is this a pretty reasonable defense to open up against? Would you I, say? I think oh, so. I think so. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, it's. I think it. It'll be. They're good enough to provide a test, and you'll learn a lot about yourself. But, but uh, I really like but the, the matchup the, of Tech's receivers against agreed. Boston College's defense. I, I don't think Tech should struggle against them like they did last year. So let's look now at the Boston College offense because that will that, that's definitely the stronger side of the football for Boston College when you return your quarterback and Anthony Brown, and then you, of course, return, as Coach Fuente said, probably one of the best at his position in the ACC. Yeah. I think personally one of the best running backs in the country. Yeah, I was well. surprised that A.J. Dillon – did not declare for the NFL draft. Well, he couldn't. I thought he could have. Well, he was only a sophomore. Right? He was only a true yeah. sophomore. There yeah. you go. Well, he's got NFL potential. Right yep. now. He's a power back. Last year against Tech, 24 attempts, uh, 96 yards, a touchdown, a long of 17. What kind of threats does he pose to the Tech defense? Well, he's uh, he outweighs nine of Tech's starting defenders. Isn't that right? He, including a starting defensive. No, both starting defensive ends, including yeah. both starting defensive ends. I mean, he's six foot, 250 pounds. He's massive. Um, and I'm not trying to disrespect Virginia Tech's defensive ends because there are a lot of defensive ends in the country that he always – he's just a big, big man. And you've got to gang tackle him around the line of scrimmage. You can't get let him get ahead of steam where he's running downhill. I mean, you can't put him on a one-on-one situation with Caleb Farley in the open field and expect a good result. Yeah. And, that, and that's not a – you know, Caleb wasn't a good tackling cornerback last year. But it also shows, you know – there's a reason coaches want their defenders to swarm to the ball carrier. I mean, they don't want their cornerbacks. Quarterbacks are traditionally your worst tacklers. You don't want them in one-on-one situations. And the thing about all Farley's missed tackles last year, if you look at it, he's the only one around the ball carrier. At least he's there. Every, <laughs> everybody else was busy getting blocked or running in the wrong direction. Yeah. And so, you, you know, you don't want – it, it, Caleb Farley will look like a better tackler this year if you don't put he him in a, a situation help. where right. he has to tackle – 250-pound running backs in the open field, which anybody would struggle to do. So how, how much – do you know off the top of your head how much Rayshard Ashby weighs? 235, 240. I was going to guess 235, 
you know, Dak, Dak has reshaped his body. He was thicker and heavier last year. He wasn't as muscular, you know. So I'm looking forward to seeing that collision. You may, you might see that out on the edge. Uh, yeah, and uh, so you just got to tackle him around the line of scrimmage. And Tech did a good job of that last year. They, they did a good job on Dylan last year. Mm-hmm. Remember they uh, – They dinged him up early. They dinged him up early. Uh, they played Devon Diablo at, at whip and started, I guess, Tyree Rogers at free safety. They wanted to get a bigger body in the box. Won't have to do that this year because you've got Jamari Connor, who's a, who's a big physical guy yeah. at, at whip. So A.J. Dillon provides more of a threat on the ground, while returning quarterback Anthony Brown provides more of a threat through the air. Dillon, for sure. Uh, if it turns out to, that Brown provides more of a threat, that means he's going to have a great year and Boston College is going to have a great year. Yeah. Um, he made massive – strides between his freshman and sophomore seasons uh if he makes another jump like that it's going to be trouble yeah for everybody else. I, I don't know how much better he can get though because with their receivers like I, I think they've got they don't have a good receiving core in my opinion so it, it, i was i was reading your review your your preview and it sounded like they've got two guys that can go back and forth between receiver yeah. and tailback they do they, and I, that, I think that's unusual. i think that they're four deep at tailback or, uh, but two of those guys are technically in the two deep at wide receiver. And, I, I think and one of those guys is Travis Levy, who had 11 carries for 75 yards and two touchdowns against Tech last year in Lane Stadium. He had one fairly long run that was poorly defended. Um, but I, I think the point I was going to make is I think that says more about Boston College's receiving core in a bad way. Right, correct. That they've got guys doubling up between tailback and receiver. Tell, between tailback and receiver. And then one of the other receivers in the two deep is a true freshman. So I don't fear their receivers. I, they, now, they they got a deep group of tight ends, and you'll see two tight ends on the field all the time. But it, it, they're just not – they're not a dynamic passing attack at all. It, let me ask you this. Is this a storyline, non-storyline? Will this have an impact at all? Of course, Scott Leffler, the offensive coordinator of Boston College, is gone. He's now the head coach at Bowling Green, former OC at Virginia Tech. With a new OC, game one, any kind of impact that could well, have? they got a new defensive coordinator also. Uh, now they promoted him from within. I, I think Steve Adazio's offenses, I think, I think they're limited with the personnel. I don't know how much different they can look. Um, you know, when you don't have any – when you got one ACC caliber receiver, in my opinion, yeah. as a true wide receiver, I don't know, there's just not so much you can do, in my opinion. Just like there wasn't much Leffler could do when he got to Virginia Tech. He didn't have anybody who could catch a football. And, and to a large extent, the, the head coach kind of dictates what sort of offense you're going to run. Right. You right. know, so, so this guy may, uh, may have a few different wrinkles. Maybe he'll get a playoff here and there, yeah. but I don't. I don't see it really changing their offense. Right, exactly, and 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 the combination of Justin Fuente and Bud Foster has been awesome in early season games at Virginia Tech. I mean, they completely outcoached Tennessee, fumbled that football game away. They beat West Virginia in a neutral side game. They had no business scoring 31 points on West Virginia that night. They had a freshman quarterback making his first career start. They started a tight end, a true freshman tight end in Dalton Keene, who never played tight end in high school. They started a true freshman slot receiver in Sean Savoy, who got switched to cornerback at Maryland. Uh, Eric Kuma started that game. Chris Cunningham played a huge role. Both those guys play for Old Dominion now. I mean, Tech went into that game without very much talent and still scored 31 points and put up 450 yards or so against against West Virginia. And yep. then last year they went down to Tallahassee and smacked Florida State. I mean, Fuente and Foster together, the combination, I mean, they've coached circles around people when they've had a whole offseason to prepare and for And a healthy team. Right. Let's add that part of it. Right, too. exactly. And uh, 
hadn't been the case for Adazia. You know, in his seven years at BC, he's two and five in his first FBS or Power Five game of the season. Yeah. And both those wins were against Wake Forest. So I, I feel very good about this game from a coaching perspective. The fact that Virginia Tech has more experienced players this year and in a few positions better players. Um, but there, there's still a whole lot of unknown. Uh, uh, but I'm still more scared of us than I am of Boston College, to be honest with you, because they're so one-dimensional offensively. Justin Fuente is 3-0 and in season openers as his time as the head coach of Virginia Tech. That's Florida State, West Virginia, and Liberty. Liberty. <laughs> oh, yeah. Six that, that was, that was the, like college, that. the college debut of Buckshot Calvert. That's right. Oh, the Liberty quarterback. quarterback. Yeah. By the way, speaking of Liberty, real quick, you know who they opened up with this year? Did you guys see that? No. They Syracuse. opened up their season at home against top 25 Syracuse. No, our fans are complaining about playing at Liberty. What There's do you think, a whole Syrac- bunch of teams traveling to Liberty. Every, yeah, everybody's going to Liberty. Hey, it's the uh, season debut of the new head coach, Hugh Freeze. So it'll be interesting oh, to see Is, how is he going to be able to coach? He almost, he, I mean, he literally, that, that poor guy was almost on his deathbed recently. Yeah. Oh, I did not even know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've yeah. only seen headlines and mentions of it. Yeah, I, for, I forget exactly okay. what happened because he wasn't able to coach when practice opened, I think, or a couple, even up to a couple weeks ago. Something so like I don't that, know what yeah. their situation is right now. If you have received a DUI or other traffic-related offense, the road ahead can seem uncertain. Your official law firm, we have a team that is with you every step of the way. We have the experience that comes along with having defended more than 30,000 criminal and traffic cases statewide and the expertise to get the job done. Call anytime, day or evening, for your free consultation or a complimentary copy of my book. Don't forget to ask us about our free appeal guarantee. To learn how we can help solve your problem, check us out at FisherLegal.com. This is Jonathan Fisher, Class of 98. Let's go Hokies. Glad everybody could be with us today, whether you're watching either live or archived or listening to the Tech Sideline Podcast with Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes that we'll get to in a little bit. Will Stewart, Chris Coleman, I'm Evan Hughes. Guys, let's now transition into prediction time for the game, and we have a little bit of time to kind of talk about the season as a whole before we uh, wrap up the podcast. Yes, sir. So we do our we do our game previews, and, and so I, I go through Chris's game preview, I edit it, but when he gets to the part where he makes, makes his prediction, I stop and I go right, right up my prediction. And we've fallen into this pattern of basically predicting almost identical scores <laughs> or identical scores over the years. We're, we're like an old married couple. We're around each other too much. <laughs> a dynamic duo. You know, and so what did you pick? Did you pick 31-21? No, well, 31-23 or something like that. He picked 31-23. Like I picked 31-21. We both picked the Hokies, right? Score 31, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that was the score of last year's game, 31-21 Boston College. Yeah, I said I'm flipping it. So uh, here's a stat for you, and I put this in my articles. In their last 16 ACC games, the Hokies have only scored over 30 points three times. Mm. Um, I'm thinking they're going to at least match that this year, maybe more, and it's going to start with this game. Uh, 31 is, is a little conservative, but Boston College does have the ability to control the football a little right. bit, you know, and – and the thing you can and, and this is the difficulty of predicting games you can never predict special teams plays and turnovers and things like that and once that stuff starts happening you look, you look at that Miami game and that Florida game Miami Florida game that's ridiculous uh, there was so much so many penalties so Miami almost won the game off of pass interference calls uh, you know and uh, I I don't think you know re- remembering the West Virginia Virginia Tech game that that was a fairly well well played game Virginia Tech did not play well against Tennessee. Uh, Virginia Tech did play well defensively at Florida State, 
and uh, you know got a special teams touchdown. Mm-hmm. But there typically haven't been wild things going on in their early games, so I'm going with 31-21. You know, in, in 2016, it was Fuente's first season, and it's a lot of pl- new players getting used to new offenses, and, and there were fumbled snaps. It was a new quarterback, a new center. It was new everything. Yeah. The last two years when everything wasn't new, Virginia Tech, you know, really they, they won those two games because they did the direct opposite of what Miami did on Saturday night. They didn't go out there and screw it up. I mean, Miami, if they had just not screwed it up, would have won that football game. Right. Um, And Virginia Tech, they did not have a single turnover against West Virginia. They didn't have a single turnover against Florida State, and they won. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, If Tech can go up there and and just don't turn the ball over against – Against BC, then uh, I know it sounds cliche. Oh, the number, the key to the game is not not turning the ball. Coach Chris Coleman, here but, yeah, but yeah. Uh, but it's true. It's true. Um, Tech's offense is good enough to score enough points to win the game if if they don't hand BC free points. Yeah. In my opinion. So there you go. That's it. I'll uh, we'll close the Boston College section with this. When we do the podcast on Monday, recapping the game, the Virginia Tech player we talk about in a Tech win is who. You want to go first or me? Uh, just right off the top of my head, Kashawn King. Oh, man, that would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's optimistic. That would be awesome. Shamari uh, Connor. Uh, I just remember Divine Diablo playing such a big role. Did he have like 14 tackles or 15 tackles or something like that? That from the I whip do spot? not recall. Yeah, because Ricardo Kearney made his first career start on Mike and had like 18 tackles. Yeah. And I think Diablo had like – 14, 14 or 15. I mean, and Dax had a bunch, too. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so I, I think the whip spot's going to be heavily involved uh, in, in this game. So that's my prediction. Jamari Connor, the new starter at whip. So there you have it. Chris Coleman and Will Stewart both say Hokies win their season opener against Boston College. Again, that's this Saturday, 4 o'clock on the ACC Network. Guys, have you gotten your subscriptions yet? And uh, if you have, <laughs> how are you enjoying the uh, the channel so far? Oh, I mean, well, well let's see. So far, it's been a Coach K love fest, and last night they showed the showed the 2007 Virginia Tech Boston College game. But, yeah, let me run off and call Comcast so I can watch all this great. But programming. they also had what, what's Pack? What's the name of Packers? I, show? I think it's a great show so far. Absolutely, they, they had pa- Tony Roby on. Fair and enough. They had yeah. uh, Mike Young on, and I haven't had a chance to watch. But but I I don't get the ACC network. I have Comcast, so I can't, so, couldn't tell you. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a plan yet. I'm, I'm a Dish Network subscriber, so I'm out. I'm uh, thinking about ditching uh, Comcast for. Uh, YouTube TV. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. I, don't, I don't find myself watching that much TV anyway. Yeah. So You've I think got I'll, I'll probably spend too much money so on it. So cut your bill. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, guys, let's do this. We've got a little bit of time here. I want to spend maybe. So how are we doing on time? What are we? We're at 50 minutes. All right. So so we need to take some questions and such from Facebook, right? Do we? Well, well, we promised. I don't think we that was going. an editorial schedule. <laughs> well, but, but we promised we were. Going it's just to. our friends on the podcast can't hear. That's the only thing. Yeah, okay. From the so we got some technical issues to get worked out. Ah. Um. Which yeah we can um, let's but we, but we can repeat the question yeah let's let's do that let's get some questions in here and then uh, yeah Malcolm Stewart the Malcolm related Stewart don't forget to unmute your microphone <laughs> the best in the biz what we got over there my friend so has anybody asked anything good uh, you kind of just the only question we've got is will Comcast and the ACC network 
<laughs> so for those, that, uh, the question is, will Comcast and the ACC Network reach an agreement? I expect they will. I don't think it's going to be between it's not, now it's not and Saturday. Before Saturday's game. Yeah, I don't think it will at this point. I'd be very it's surprised. Funny. People ask us as if we have some clue what's going I, on. I don't know. I don't know anything about TV negotiations. I don't understand how that works. If I did, I guess I'd probably be working for a TV company making a lot of money. I don't think that's something a lot of people get unless you're in that industry uh, it, it just appears to me that what you see right now is what you're going to get yeah you know, as, as uh, far as carriage no you never know i mean i think when the sec network got released they had a couple of last minute deals a, a night or two before the network launched but i just don't see that happening in this case i, I think uh comcast you know i think they'll they'll, they'll hardball it for as long as they can and uh no, and, the, and there's something about a an ESPN deal with, with Comcast or, or Dish Network or something like that that's up for renewal in 2021, so they think that'll uh, right, yep that that uh, that could uh, affect things. It might be a so couple it, it of years. That's some. That's what some people think. Yeah, I don't it know. might take one to three years to get full carriage right, of this right. network. And by the way, if if you want to threaten Comcast, calling them up and saying I'd really like the ACC network, you should get it. Gosh darn it, that's not going to work. Because until people actually start canceling their... You're talking to a minion on the phone. You're talking to a minion on the phone who probably doesn't even know what the heck the ACC network is. <laughs> um, well, they've probably heard about it. They've heard about it now, but, uh, but uh, you know, you've heard stories. People have posted on our board, oh, I called this company, I called that company, and they didn't know what the ACC network was. Well, guess what? Not everybody's a college sports fan. Now, now Dish so, has been really good, right. uh, particularly on Twitter. Uh, I added them and said something about the ACC network, and they DM'd me. DM'd? Or they responded to the tweet and said, hey, we'll submit a, right. a programming request on your behalf. Oh, wow. So Dish has been, at, at, at the very least on Twitter, has been really good about yeah, it. Yeah, so I'll take it a step further than what the ACC is encouraging you to do. They're basically saying, oh, call your, call your provider and say that you'd like the ACC network. Well, I'm telling you, if you've got Comcast, call them and cancel if you really want the ACC <laughs> network yeah. bad enough. Just, just telling well, them that you want something – Okay, that's not costing them any money. Now, the ACC has said, call them, tell them you want it, and threaten to change. Okay. They, they okay. did include that as part of their part Even of their Even narrative. just threatening to change. I'm sure they have a, a certain number. I'm sure they've done the research on the number of people who call in to threaten to change of how many of those people. What percentage? Who, yeah. I mean, we, we know this. People threaten to cancel their subscription sometime, and, and then hardly any of them do. <laughs> There's uh, a story there. There's a story there. But, <laughs> but uh, So let's tell the story. So I, I wrote uh, at the end of the 2012 season, which was Frank's first rough non-10 win season, I, I wrote an article called Endgame where I started talking about the end of Frank Beamer's career. Uh, his career went on another three, three years. years. If you, if you go back and look at that article, it's from 2012, December of 2012. It's got about 130 comments, including about 10 people saying, I'm done. I don't appreciate you talking about this. I'm canceling my subscription, et cetera. I did the research, and out of those 10 or so people, all but one or two of them are still on the site, still subscribing, still, you know, commenting on the message boards and things like that. So, uh that's our data point on how many people threaten and how many actually do it. Right. So when you call Comcast or whoever, don't just threaten. Actually do it. That's, that's, the, that's the only way. Yeah, I'm calling to cancel my service because you're not carrying the ACC network. Yep. All right. I'll ask you guys a, a, a fun question here. I was talking with Chris before we went on about great Virginia Tech Boston College moments uh, since the two of be, began playing. What sticks out most when you think about BC, Virginia Tech, in wins? We don't need to go to a certain place in 2007. Uh, well, to me, what stands out, 
1999, it clinched the unbeaten season. And I remember back then, even going into, into, into 1999, and you remember every game was sold out from the UVA game in 98 through 2012, basically. Yeah. And uh, But still, in 99, the season tickets didn't sell out. You could still buy individual game tickets to every game that year. Uh, and I remember after the UAB game, the second game of the season, I, I went to that game with my dad, and Tech won that game without Vic at quarterback. And I looked at the schedule and looked at Tech's roster and thought, we're going to win every game we play this year. <laughs> so I, I told my dad, order tickets to the Boston College game. We need to go to that game too because we're going to clinch an unbeaten season that night. Sure enough, we did. And uh, I was there for that. I was a junior in high school. So that's that's the one that stands out to me. Um, you so probably – So an interesting story about that game. Somebody came on our message boards the other day and said that they talked with one of the assistant coaches from that Virginia Tech coaching squad. Uh, mm-hmm. And this person didn't identify the coach they were talking to. But that coach said words to the effect of, you don't know how hard it is to go undefeated. And towards the end, how, how difficult it is to close out a season like that. And that's in contrast to the way I felt as a fan. I, I went into that game as a fan thinking, man, they're going to roll Boston College. This is going to be fun. And they did. It was 38-14. to 14. Vic completed, you know, uh, 15 of 12 passes for 9,000 yards. He did his thing. Andre Davis did their thing. And they won. But, but the coach was saying, you have no idea how afraid we were of what might happen that day. And he means the coaches. He doesn't necessarily mean the players. I think the tech coach or the tech players were confident the whole, whole yeah, way through. Yeah, so, I agree with that. As someone who was four months old at that time, <laughs> I, ask you, uh, I ask you this because – you know, what was the scene like after they clinched that game? Oh, I know man. there's a legendary well, picture of Coach Beamer, but what – I mean, was oh, everybody just going nuts well, in the stands? So many, so many famous pitchers from that game, though. The one of Beamer, uh, the one of, of, of Vic getting carried around in the crowd, and also the one of the sunset behind the West Stands. Yeah, that yeah. was, that was uh, actually, I think, if Sports Illustrated did their article recently, like the 50 greatest college – football pitchers of all time or, or, yeah. or something like that. And, the, and that was the picture they used for their tweet, for the oh, headline see, of that We article. should really have that up there. Yeah, on the we really should. So, so I don't know that. if you've seen the one we're talking about. I think you could even get that picture on well, credit cards. Turn around and look over like your that. right shoulder. See the oh, thing that, on there? That's there it is. part of it. That's, that, the, that's, that's the left that's hand. That's half of it, yes. Yeah, you could actually see the sunset off to the right. Wow. Uh, in it. But, yeah, so there's there's so many things. Yeah, the, the scene at the end of the game was crazy. I mean, you had, uh, you had people tearing down goalposts. Obviously, things like that. Will found a pitcher yesterday. And, you know, back in the 90s, people didn't necessarily wear team gear to games up in, until, like, the mid-90s. And, yeah. and it wasn't even really until the 2000s everybody did it. And one of the guys on the goalpost for that game yeah, was wearing so the, Miami Dolphins jacket, Miami Dolphins hat. Yeah, there's, there's so I was, looking at the, I was looking at a section that the Roanoke Times produced after that game. And you're asking about pictures. There were two great pictures from that game. Now, Matt Gentry is a longtime photographer for, for Virginia uh, for the Roanoke Times. Uh, one of the best pictures from that game, Matt didn't actually take. I don't remember the photographer's name, but was it Colin Hawkins that came out of the backfield and and he, he ran some a, sort of fullback wheel route? Yeah, yeah. And dove Colin and Hawkins. caught a touchdown pass. And there's a picture taken from the back corner of the end zone of Hawkins laying on the ground holding the ball up in the air and the ref standing over him signaling touchdown. It's a great picture. It's perfectly framed. And to tell you how old it is, the ref is wearing white pants, <laughs> which, you know, those white blousey things that they don't wear anymore. 
And then there was Chris talking about uh, the um, fans hanging off the um, off the goalposts, and yeah, the one guy decked out Miami Dolphins gear. Was that uh, was that you secretly? Your Miami no, Dolphins gear? <laughs> by then, well, I was probably still a Dolphins fan by then. I think Marino was still playing. Um, but that was back when you could – I mean, the field was full of fans afterward. It was packed. And, and they didn't have collapsible goalposts at that point. You right. actually you had, had to pull tear those them suckers down. down. Man. Yeah. yeah. And I'm assuming that at that point, when Tech won, they knew they were playing for the national championship. Yeah, well, they, they didn't did, know it. They did not know. Because uh, – Nebraska, there was still a possibility that Nebraska, Nebraska could get in. And I remember this like it was yesterday. They, they were showing updates from the Colorado-Nebraska game, which was going on at the time. Yeah, we're all hanging around in the stadium afterwards. and they're Trying to updates. keep up with the score on that little tiny scoreboard in the south end zone. Yeah. Right? Uh, they, accidentally, they incorrectly announced that Colorado beat Nebraska hmm. during the post-game Which would have been good for Virginia Tech. Which would have been good for Virginia Tech. As it turned out, I think that game went to overtime. I don't remember who won, but it wasn't over at that point. I think Nebraska did, and they ended up winning the game, and, and but Tech still got in over them in the BCS. But uh, I was sure Tech was going. You're never oh, yeah. really I, sure, but 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 I I, I was well. I was, I was sure because the NCAA wasn't in control of the process. Right. The BCS was. <laughs> here, here goes with this conspiracy. <laughs> so was there a. Again, I'm assuming there was like a BCS show once a week on ESPN, like it was for Probably. some time. Is that how Tech officially found out? I mean, just that was the yeah. Uh, gosh, what night was was it? The next very next night. Whenever the no, it had to have been the next week because they they had conference championship games at that point. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I so, don't, uh... well, it would have been just like it is now, I guess. Uh, the next Saturday, you play the conference championship games, and then the next day. Uh, on Sunday is your football selection Sunday. And back then, you know, it was four BCS games. So they'd start with whatever – they'd start with w one of the non-national championship <laughs> BCS games. So that year the national title game was the, the Sugar Bowl. So I, I guess they probably started with one of the small ones. Or did they start the show? Yeah, when honestly, with Virginia I, Tech and I, I don't State? recall. I, I don't remember. Oh, I'm sure, sure there's a video on VHS tapes. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. I'm sure it's on oh, Hokie yeah. Tapes. Yeah. Yeah. Hokie Tapes does such a great job. of. Yeah. Uh, it was, I actually got to dance, go back and watch and, the first and, drive of that national championship. And that was when Lee Corso predicted before the season started that Virginia Tech and Florida State would play for the national championship, and that's exactly what happened. And this year, Corso has Utah in his final four, so we'll see uh, how mm. that, uh, that all comes about. We'll see. Well, Malcolm, I'll Turn it over to you one last time, our producer. Finds any any uh, parting words before we sign off? Like a question or anything? Yeah, <laughs> questions, comments. Actually, yeah. If you've got a couple minutes, they want to know about the stuff on the shelves. Oh, should we? Uh, yeah. Point out every single one of them. Yeah. So well, um, I really like the Hokies are sharp, Dad Gummit. A lot right, of people so, won't get that. So this, the, so the, so the podcast people will love this because they can't see a thing. But I added shelves to the set last night and. Uh, a lot of the stuff on the shelves has a story. Some of it doesn't. It's just stuff that somebody bought and gave to me. Um, and, and we really ought to do a separate video. But uh, <clears throat> to give you a quick rundown, there's a box of Hokey Toasties <laughs> sitting up there. I got a little mini uh, Seth Greenberg autograph for Gene Tech basketball. That's worth a lot of money. You should probably put that away. <laughs> That's right. The, the, uh, the uh, signature's starting to fade, sadly. Um, I have uh, – so there's a signed football there, Evan, that's right next to you. You see a bunch of – and I saw Chris looking at that earlier. 
I'm probably trying to figure out who some of those names There's are. There's Jim Cavanaugh's uh, autograph. chicken scratch up there. Yeah, it was signed by the, all the coaches and uh, some of the players. Brian Randall's signature is probably on there. That That's from 2004. Vincent Fuller's on there. Yeah. Um, so I've got got a couple old things here, and uh, Bourbon Street noticed this because he gave it to me. Uh, right, right behind my head is a uh, Virginia Polytechnic Institute uh, megaphone. It's, it's a really old megaphone. It's like eight inches long. It's a little tiny thing, and it's got a V and a P on it. It's extremely old school, probably from, you know, way back in Miles Stadium days. And there's also a little uh, thing, uh, and it says, The Hokies are sharp, dead gummit. Sharp with an E. And that is from the 70s when Virginia Tech hired uh, Jimmy Sharp to be their uh, football coach. So it says the Hokies are sharp. It's spelled with an E like, like uh, Jimmy Sharp's name was. And used to say dadgum a lot. Now what tech fans, modern tech fans would hate about that is at the bottom it says support Va-Tech football. <laughs> Va so we used to call football. ourselves Va-Tech back in the day apparently. That's right. Well, that was before we went through, uh, they went through a branding exercise at some point in the 80s and, and deciding to be consistent. Yeah. Uh, and now one of the more interesting things I have up there, and this is a one-of-a-kind item, you see up at the on the very top shelf, there's a dish. It's it's some white dish, and it's it's got it's some slapped together production. It's got the hokey bird in the middle, and it's got uh, Virginia Tech Hokies taped around the side of it. Um, <laughs> so I live in Radford, all right, and uh, and this this is a it's a, it's an interesting story. I live in the High Meadows subdivision of Radford. I'm hanging out in my house one day. I don't remember when this was. Maybe Chris can help with the oh, air. Seven oh eight. There's there's like a that. knock at the door, and I go to the door. And there's a somewhat large young black man standing there, and he's selling Virginia Tech stuff. And I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but I, I looked at him and I thought, that's Tarek Peak. And Tarek and Nubian Peak were brothers who played at Pulaski County High School. I don't remember if they were in the same class or not, but they both committed to Virginia Tech slash signed with Virginia Tech. Neither one of them did anything in their Virginia Tech careers. And Tarek, I think he wound up, gosh, down at Texas A&M or Texas Tech or something like that for about a year or so. He was going door to door because he didn't get into the details, but he done something bad, and his dad was making him go door to door and sell this Virginia Tech stuff that his mom had made. That was his punishment to go door to door and sell stuff. So I'm sure there were several licensing and recruiting violations committed there as, as I bought that <laughs> slapdash plate from him. But I'm like, I'm like, this is tired peak selling crap at my door, man. I got to buy one. You know, so that's the story behind the plate up there on the top. So we so. need to find him, contact him, and tell him that that is now up on our on our set. Yeah, how that, that's a great story. It is one of the more interesting items up there. Yeah, awesome. So, anything else, Malcolm? Uh, Anybody criticizing the set today? No. Oh, nice. Now, now I do. We do have to hang. Uh, we're going to hang uh, curtains. Actually, I take that back. Yeah, exactly. So I was about to address that about building out the sides because there's a little bit of gap behind behind me and Evan. And uh, so the things we need to continue working on are the lighting needs to get better. Uh, I, need, I do need to hang. I'll probably just hang black curtains to, to frame the edges and, and stop showing the edges in the shot. 
And the other thing is, uh, I want to go to multiple camera angles. I want to be, be able to cut, like when Chris is talking, cut to Chris. When I'm talking, cut to me. You know, Right now, we've only got the one camera that shows the whole scene. It's a lot of exciting things going on in Tech Sideline. It certainly is. And I'll close with this. Um, what can we expect the rest of the week on uh, TechSideline.com? What great content do we have coming up? A lot. We've got the game preview coming up today. Uh, we're going to have another article from Corey. We're going to have an article from Brandon Patterson. If I have time at, between all this editing, I'm going to write an Inside the Numbers article for tomorrow, Friday Q&A. I think Jason Stame is due to send us two more articles. So, so I, I got I to go from recording this podcast to sit down and do a roster card. I still oh, haven't yeah. done a roster card yet. Well, it's going to be another busy week. It is game week. It is upon us. It is also game week for us here at Tech Sideline, and we're so thankful to all of our viewers and our listeners that you guys could tone in for two podcasts this week, and we'll be back doing and it all we're, again. we're thankful to our sponsor, Fisher Law Firm. We are always thankful to Fisher Law Firm. Now, before you sign off, I did not put a new uh, song lyric in my, uh, in my Twitter bio, but I did get it driving on the way in this morning. This, this, okay. is, this is easy. This is a layup, I think, anyway. Well, it's a long way to Richmond, rolling up on 95. I actually know that Modern one. Day body and Clyde. <laughs> Modern Gabe. Day Body and uh, Modern Day Bonnie and Clyde by Travis Tritt. Oh, that's I should good, good video. I love that song. Travis, I mean Travis. <laughs> Travis Tritt's a great, great musician. He just plays a little vocal range at one point in that. He goes, "Ee-hoo," gets gets a little high there. And the video's got uh, Billy Bob Thornton in it. They, I guess, they were buddies or something like that. I'm, I'm sure Wikipedia knows the whole story. Well, that's going to do it for uh, this week's podcast. Thanks so much, guys. Always as fun as always. And, uh, again, we'll break down the Boston College game on Monday, probably around the same time, same way you watched or you listened. You can get your podcast anywhere on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. We'll be back on Facebook and more on Monday. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast, brought to you by the Fisher Law Firm. Call 1-800-680-7031. Get your free consultation anytime. For our producer behind the scenes, Malcolm Stewart, our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and head honcho, Will Stewart. My name is Evan Hughes saying thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time right here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. Thank you.